We're going to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do. And we're specifically looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of those who follow Christ. So why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word once again. And thank you for the blessed Holy Spirit and his operation in our lives. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. We honor you. We surrender to you. We submit to your leadership and your influence over us. We recognize you as God who guides us, who created us, who leads us, who loves us. Help us to learn more about you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is the Holy Spirit who makes it possible for us to become part of God's family. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. He is the one who literally immerses us into the body of Christ, places us into the body of Christ. And he does this through the process our Lord referred to as being born again. Now, I wonder for you what born again actually means. If I was to ask you what does the term born again bring up in your mind, I wonder what you would think. For some Christians, it would be speaking in tongues. That's what they would think. That's what comes to mind. For some, it would be that they stopped gambling or stopped taking drugs. Uh, For some, it might be they've just reformed their character and so forth. But actually, being born again is a supernatural activity. And it's a term that our Lord Jesus was the first to introduce in Scripture. In John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8, I'm going to read through it. Um, when Nicodemus came to our Lord Jesus and said, uh, Rabbi, we know that we, you are a teacher sent from God because no one can do the things that you're doing unless God was with them. In verse 3, he replied, I tell you the truth, unless, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, that word see is perceive and experience. You can't even perceive with accuracy what God is really doing. So Nicodemus asks him, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I'm reading the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce, can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And the truth is there is an element of mystery about how we are born again, when we are born again. And the truth is only God and you can really know if you are born again. Uh, We can can observe you and say, yeah, definitely that looks like you're born again and "Mm, not so sure about you. But but actually, uh, it's only God and and you that can really know this. So, as well as our natural physical birth, we all need and needed a spiritual birth that he, the Holy Spirit, assists us into. 
And that's what our Lord was referring to when he talked about being born again. That there is something that the Holy Spirit will do that will cause us to be born again. Just like naturally speaking, we're born into a physical world. We are also born into a spiritual world, into spiritual reality through the Holy Spirit. And I like this version because he says... um, um, he says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Spiritual life is not reformed character. Now, it may, it may result in a reformed character. Spiritual life is not, I don't do this anymore. It may cause you to stop doing certain things. But it is really when you become like your heavenly Father in your spirit. Your spirit is changed and you have a new, a new, new reality actually where you now look like your heavenly father just like a natural person when they're given birth to have certain things that will show that they came from that person. Also, um, a person is born again um, by, in fact the scripture says it like this, First Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So, when the spirit of God comes upon a person because of the preaching of God's word, that word that they hear is what he uses to cause them to be born again. So, Peter says we were born again by the incorruptible, unperishable seed, which is God's word. So he used God's word to cause us to be born again. Just like naturally speaking, I don't want to be gross, please forgive me, um, is the sperm that God uses. That's the seed that comes into the womb and creates life. So the seed is the word of God that the Holy Spirit uses into the womb of our natural spirit and changes us to become new creation. So as a newborn baby in Christ, we begin our journey of faith in the family of God because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, not because we decided we're not going to live for God. It's very important. It's because the Holy Spirit now is inside of us. That's how we now begin the journey. So before we became born again, the Holy Spirit will be working on us. He'll be convincing us. He'll be helping us. He'll be orchestrating events to bring us to a point of conversion. Once we become born again, he then comes to live inside of us. And so every Christian will have his indwelling presence because he brings and he reveals Christ in our hearts. That's why Paul said in Romans um, chapter 8, verse 9, that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings Christ to us and makes him a reality. Now, just as a, as a side note, most of the times when people are talking to God, what they don't realize is they're, not, they're often talking to God the Holy Spirit. Even though they may refer to him as Jesus and they may refer to him as Father, often it's God the Holy Spirit that speaks back to him. Now, they may, can talk to the Father for sure, 
But often the Father communicates through God the Holy Spirit to us. In fact, most of the time. Very rarely will the Lord Jesus himself speak to us and very rarely will the Father himself speak to us. And you see, when the Father spoke, people heard him. It's quite dramatic. And when often you see in the scripture, when the Lord Jesus would speak, it would be in a vision. But it's the Holy Spirit who tends to speak. And you see, if you look in the book of Acts, you see the Spirit said to them, do this. The Spirit said to them, do that. You know, it seemed right to the Holy Spirit that we should do this and that. And so before we go any further, it would be worth our while to just briefly talk, um, examine what our Lord Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Help me with the time. So what did he say about him? John 14, verses 16 to 18. He says, I will pray to the Father, I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So the Holy Spirit, he comes to be in our lives instead of the Lord Jesus. We want a physical Jesus. I mean, I'll be honest with you, with all my reality of the Holy Spirit, I will still love to have a physical Jesus. Just, I'm so sorry, Lord, you know, but that's just the truth. Having a physical Jesus there, to me, would seem to me, I'm talking foolishness now, would seem better than having, would seem better, I'm not saying it's better, because it's, it's clearly not, I just want to be clear. <laughs> but, but, you know, it would seem better than having the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But, but actually, it's not. It's better the Holy Spirit lives inside of us than having a physical Jesus. And then... John 15, 26, and when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. In other words, he will tell you about me. So everything we learn about Jesus, we know about Jesus, is through the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing about our faith. The difference between our faith and the rest is that we actually have God living inside of us who's revealing our Messiah to us, first rate, download, first, first hand. You know, I remember one day I asked, I asked the Lord, I said, I asked him, I said, Lord, I wonder if I would have been amongst those guys who would have betrayed you. You know, because I think I would have been. The answer surprised me. He said, um, well, have you, have you betrayed me now? Have you rejected me now? You wouldn't have rejected me because you haven't rejected me now. It's the same reality. They, they saw and they rejected the same way that people reject me today. I, was, I, 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 I didn't actually like the answer, even though it's a fantastic answer, because I expected to hear, yeah, you would have rejected me, and then I'd have wallowed in some self-pity, you know, I'm such a sinner. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect that answer. I have to be honest, I didn't expect that answer. All right. John 16. Yeah, I'm just being honest <laughs> I was like, mm, okay, let's move on then. I'll be honest, I was, I, was, I was driving and I said, Lord, I, remember, I wonder what I would have been like. I would have been one of those who would have rejected you. And the answer came, back, well, have you rejected me now? Have you ever rejected me? I was like, no, not really. No. Then you wouldn't have rejected me then. Isn't that interesting? Listen, he said to Thomas, you believe and you've seen. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. You're so much more blessed than Thomas was. 
All right. Um, a few more things about what our Lord Jesus says about him. Help me with the time. I didn't see the, what you gave me. Sorry. Mm. It's not a lot, is it? Okay. Um, John chapter 16 from verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, look at what our Lord says. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. It's to your advantage. I would be saying, no, I don't think so. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict or convince the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. He's, a, he's good at his job, guys. We don't need to help him out. Let him convince your friends of sin. He's good at his job. <laughs> when he's convincing people of sin, at times they'll feel really bad. And then we come along, oh, it's not so bad. No, leave them alone. They're feeling really bad about their sin. And we say, no, 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 God loves you anyway. Listen, leave them. Of course God loves them anyway. But let them feel what they're feeling. You know, they're crying. No, no, you don't need to cry. You don't need to cry. No, they need to cry. You're not God. You don't know why they're crying. <laughs> Convict them of sin, of righteousness. And again, you know, when somebody's convinced of righteousness, they say, you know what? Now I've given my heart to Jesus. I just feel I should stop playing computer games. No, 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 don't stop playing computer games. Even I play. I play three times a day. You're not the Holy Ghost. Leave them alone. They've been convinced of righteousness and you're trying to do your self-righteousness. And I, No, leave them alone. You know, when I first got saved, there were certain things I stopped doing. But now I do them and it's not a sin. You want to know what it is? I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Right? Because at that time, it wasn't good for me. Like, okay, I'll tell you one. I stopped listening to certain kinds of music because the way music was for me, I couldn't deal with it. In fact, I, I stopped listening to it. Now I can listen to it. Doesn't, it's quite interesting. <laughs> but um, it's not the same way. <laughs> but some other person is not that way for them. So when people get saved and the Holy Spirit is convincing them of righteousness, leave them alone. And of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Twelve. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Wow. These are the things that our Lord said about him. So, becoming a Christian, when we get saved and we get born again, is just the beginning of a journey that involves the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Just as when a baby is born as an infant and has to live their life outside the womb and they have to grow, that's what happens with us as believers when we come to the Lord. And it is the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of us to help us to develop in our walk with God. So what is his effect? What is his impact when he comes and lives inside of us? What are the things that happens to us because of that new birth? The first thing is we become part of God's family. We become his sons and his daughters. Now, in, in the scriptures, sons and daughters is really sons. You know, it's because it's not to do with male or female. It's not a, a gender thing. It's a privileged thing. So when we say sons and daughters, actually in the Greek, it's just really sons. 
That means you have the privilege of all the rights that Jesus has as a son of God. That is what it is. Isn't that amazing? It's just that, you know, for PC's sake, you know, especially if you're speaking to people who don't really know the Lord, you just say sons, it's like you misogynistic person. But actually, it's not to do with gender at all. Amen. <clears throat> anyway, so you become, you become part of God's family as his sons and daughters. What does that mean? It means you are now forgiven of everything. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What I want you to see is that phrase, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, this statement is very misunderstood by many Christians. They think it means there's therefore now no feeling bad about bad things that you do. That's what people think this means. That's not what it means. You will still feel bad about bad. You're supposed to feel bad about bad things that you do. Otherwise, you're not a real Christian. How can it be? When I was in the world, I could swear like anything. I didn't feel bad. I felt good. Anytime I swore, I felt good. When I, when I was checking a woman, I did. Well, gosh. I felt good about it. I never felt bad. Why would I feel bad? It's like, yeah, man. When I looked at pornography, I felt good. In those rare moments, because I got saved when I was really young, so I didn't see much of it. Amen. <clears throat> Let's move on quickly. So, but in the world, when we sin, we feel normal. But as believers, whenever we sin, something great. That's not condemnation. That's conviction. Condemnation is this. Where you are sentenced to something. So, like I, I give this example. If I go to court and they say, three years, I have been condemned. I'm under the condemnation of three years for something. But when we come to Christ, there is no condemnation. What was the condemnation? The lake of fire. Not hell. Hell is just a, a small place compared to the lake of fire. Hell is like uh, nice compared to the lake of fire. Even hell is afraid of the lake of fire. <laughs> Death is afraid of the lake of fire. Satan is, a, that's how bad that place is. The sentence was the lake of fire. That's what we were condemned to. And everything that goes with that. But now in Christ, there is no condemnation. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of sickness. We don't have to be afraid of anything. There is no condemnation. Because why? We're, all our sins are forgiven and we are sons and daughters of God. And also, because we're in his family, we have been adopted, which is we have the highest privilege possible as a son in God's family. We have a superior privilege to angels because we are in the same league as Jesus, the son. Wow. So God doesn't love Jesus more than you. God loves Jesus the same way, with the same intensity as he loves you. And God loves you with the same intensity as he loves Jesus. And everything that God wants Jesus to experience, he wants you to experience as his son and as his daughter. What else happens once the Holy Spirit begins? So he makes us sons and daughters, 
And then he helps us to develop our relationship with God and with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the second important role of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. To develop our relationship with God the Father and with our Lord Jesus. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him, that is the Holy Spirit, through, sorry, through him, that is Jesus, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. It is the Holy Spirit that now gives us that freedom to approach the Father anytime. Anytime. So you can approach the Father and it's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to do that. So sometimes, many times I'll say, Dad, this is the deal. Dad, this is the deal. Dad, this, dad, that. And it is him, the Holy Spirit, that empowers us with the confidence to be able to approach the Father. What a privilege. What a wonderful privilege. And then, because he's helping us to develop our relationship, we grow through communication when it comes to relationship, isn't it? It's as you communicate with someone, you develop your relationship. So what he does is he helps us to grow through how we interact or pray to the Father and to our Lord Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to do this. Why? Because he wants us to experience a love relationship with the Father. And he helps us to pray. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise also, the Spirit helps us in Amen. our weaknesses. Amen. Bro, please. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He says, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings Look here. which cannot be uttered. He says, now he who searches the hearts knows the mind. What's your problem? Let's carry on. Knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He helps you with your weaknesses. We don't know how we should pray, the way we should pray. He helps us in how we should pray. So in the next 10 minutes that I have left, I'm going to just wrap this all up. Just going to wrap it all up. So, it's important for you to understand this, that it is he who helps you to pray. How many times do you feel you don't know how to pray? Listen, after all these years, I still need a lot of help. I need more help than you in how to pray. Yeah, you can raise your eyebrows all you like. You're not God. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. Steve, next time you don't allow someone to come here like that, yeah? All of you are just watching, sitting there watching as the man says, the guy is drunk. That's why he was here. You know, you just watch. What if he got up and started disturbing? Come on. Anyway. No, I was leaving that to you. No, I was leaving that to you. Yeah. Shall we carry on anyway? <clears throat> so, he helps us in our relationship, first of all, to pray, but secondly, to understand God's word. Very important. Now, these two dynamics are so important. Prayer and feeding on the Word of God. So, it is the Holy Spirit who enables you to understand the Word of God. Many times when I read the Bible, I'll say, Lord, open my eyes to see what you want me to see and to hear what you want me to hear and to understand what you want me to understand. Many times 
when I'm reading. Sometimes I'll just start reading a passage I've been reading for years and just the first sentence. And then I'm like, wow, never seen that before. Amazing. But we'll not go there. So Paul prayed to the, um, to, to, to the uh, said to the, um, sorry, in his prayer for the Ephesian church, he said that he was praying that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of them so that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened for them to know the hope of their calling. And the point there is this. It is the Holy Spirit that opens your eyes to know and to understand the things in the Word of God. The next thing that the Holy Spirit does, another important impact of him in our lives, is that he produces in us family likeness as the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, there are nine different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine. And they are what helps us to look like Jesus. Right? Now, please, when you get born, have you ever seen a baby that is born and you look at the baby and you don't know who the heck that pe- child, sorry, who, who the child looks like? Think the face is so, you know, we all say, oh, what a beautiful baby. But most babies don't look beautiful. They, we feel they're beautiful, but they don't look beautiful. We believe in Jesus' name they're beautiful, but they don't actually look beautiful. They look very squashed. They look very squashed, and it's like, oh. I remember one, one of our family members, when they gave birth to their child, they were upset because they said the child looked too much like me. Because, you know, babies normally look like me. They've got eyes that are a bit bulgy and stuff. So, I like, they were saying all kinds of strange things. But the point is, <laughs> but the point is, as the child begins to grow, you begin to see the features coming through. And when they grow up, the child that looked nothing like the father as a fully grown man is the, wow, that's, that's definitely your child. Why? Because over time, the characteristics show. In the same way, just because right now you may have a few areas that is very clear, not like Jesus in your personality, it's because you're not grown up yet. As you grow, the fruit of the Spirit will become more and more evident in your life. So he, he transforms us to become more like Jesus as we allow him to remove the barriers between us and Jesus. Um, he will cause us to look like Jesus. And then the other thing he does is this. He produces unity in the family of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses from verse 3, it says we should endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Just verse 3. We should endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit promotes the unity of the body of Christ worldwide. And this is in response to the prayers of our Lord Jesus. He prayed for the unity of the church because it is when the church demonstrates the love of God through unity that the world becomes attracted to our gospel. Our Lord says in John chapter 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you have love for one another. 
And our Lord prayed the prayer, John 17, 20 and 21. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the truth is that even now, there is a degree of unity amongst believers. I mean, I only have to travel. When I travel and I go to different places, sometimes you hear the same thing that we are saying in our church, being said in, this, in other places. And also you see the same mannerism. Even sometimes you hear the same speaking of tongues, the same kind of phraseology, same spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you find that, like, for instance... I mean, I read this article the other day about what God was showing somebody about the outpouring of the Spirit. And guess what scriptures they were using? Acts 2, 17 to 21. And that was what the, and this is what we've been emphasizing, emphasizing. And this is what others are emphasizing. It's just amazing. It's the same Spirit. So there is a different, there is a degree of unity that already exists. And, uh, we, we experience this unity as we fellowship with other believers, regardless of their traditions and their backgrounds. And it is important that we recognize that this can only happen because of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then he also gives gifts to all his children. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to us because we are part of God's family. These gifts cannot be earned. And they are given as he wills. Um, and because we're all different, he'll give us different gifts. Now, here's the thing I found. If you will let him, some of you will have gifts that will be expressed through you that I can only dream of. But you will say, no, this gift shouldn't be for me. It should be for the pastor. It should be for the pastor because the pastor is more committed to Jesus and I am, how do you know? Let me tell you, don't, don't be fooled. You are probably the most committed to Jesus that has ever been. Yeah, whatever, let's move on quickly. But however, having said that, he gives gifts. He gives gifts. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And then he describes the gifts that the Spirit gives. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one... Now, as I go through these gifts, I want you to think, what would you like God to give to you? Somebody said all of them. I agree entirely with you, all of them as well. But if you had to choose a few, which ones really hit it with you? Because it's interesting. For some, what will hit it for one will not necessarily hit it for the other one. It says, for one, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, what does he do? He gives free gifts. I wonder which ones you would like. I know which ones I want. He gives free gifts. He gives it to everyone. And he gives it 
for the common good. So all you have to do is to be willing to receive his gifts. And then finally, what does he do? For this session, the Holy Spirit empowers us to share our faith with others and be representatives of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. Um, this is one of the things that has often intimidated me, sharing my faith. And I tend to forget why it intimidates me. It intimidates me every time I'm looking at myself to go and share my faith. But I've also noticed any time I rely on the Holy Spirit to share my faith, I'm not intimidated. But it's so easy to forget. Acts 1.8, our Lord says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus and anoints us with supernatural power for service. When the Spirit of God fills us, it's not such a big deal sharing our faith because it comes out of the overflow of something we want to do because of what we have experienced. And we want to share that experience with others. The result is the family of God grows um, and as a result of this, believers lead other people to Christ. So in conclusion, whilst every Christian receives the Holy Spirit when they become born again, not every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul encouraged the Ephesian believers to be filled with the Spirit. Why would he tell them to be filled with the Spirit if they were already filled? Ephesians 5.18, he says, Don't, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess. In other words, when you get drunk because you've overdone it. But be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek, it is be continuously filled. Why? Because you get filled and then you get empty. You get filled and then you get empty. So we realize that we need to be filled. So even if we've been believers, we need to be filled again. Maybe you're here and you haven't been filled. You're like, you're a believer, you have Christ, you're a child of God, but you are not filled. How can we be filled? I'll read this verse and then I will bring it to a close. Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. And let the one who wishes take the free gift, sorry, of the water of life. In other words, the way we get filled is we ask. Maybe some of us are saying, I really want to be filled. I'm really thirsty. All you have to do is to believe and receive that promise. Or others may say, nah, it's not for me. I'm, I really don't like it. I don't feel thirsty, and I'm not really ready for this experience. The truth is, God takes you as you are. But you can pray and ask him and say to him, Lord, you know what? I don't have a desire for this, but give me a thirst for it. Give me a thirst for it. And if you ask him, he will give you a thirst for it. Because if anyone comes to him and thirsts, 
he will give you the free gift of the water of life, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's pray. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back to Lindsay, and she'll give us some directives. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, there might be some of us here who are saying, even though we've been in the faith for a long time, we need a fresh filling. And we're saying we're thirsty. And so, Lord, we're asking you to fill us afresh. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit today. And, Lord, there may be others here who are saying, you know what, I'm not sure this is for me. Lord, I'm asking your Holy Spirit to create in them a thirst. Help them to desire the Holy Spirit so that he can reveal our Lord Jesus to them. I pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.